cult cinema catacombs. These films exist. And now, here are your hosts, Roy Buckingham and Andrew Farmer. What the fuck is Batman? <laughs> God damn it. That's the way I am with this stuff that's going on in the house, by the way. Like, <laughs> yes. I definitely <laughs> borrowed a lot of my mentality from Batman. So, so, it, just let me sleep. <laughs> Hello, listeners. Welcome to Cult Cinema Catacombs. For those wondering what we're talking about, uh, Andy has been experiencing some paranormal activity in his new home. Yeah, a little uh, bit. Yeah, a, a little bit of paranormal activity. So he has, he has he's bought up all the sage in Ohio. Frankincense and myrrh, I have. For sure, and Sage, yes, and cameras. So I'm ready. Yeah, he's you're you're Micahing it for. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, it's probably not the best idea. I'm thinking, like, like we are steeped, right, Roy? We are entrenched in uh, horror movies, like all the time, good, bad, otherwise. We talk about them. We love them. We do a show that has a lot of them on it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done Bad Ben. Um, <laughs> As one of our favorite films that we've ever done. And I went and bought a bunch of cameras. And I know how that turns out. Yeah, you've seen Bad Ben. Yeah. I'm not going to go. There's there's no woods for me to walk into to find a little uh, <laughs> a little recorder thing. There's no. I checked the dumpsters. We're good. No weird giant Bibles in the dumpsters. Oh, look, it's a weird Bible. God damn it. God damn it. I'm going to throw this in the dumpster. God damn Bible. You know what power fuck issues, you means? But I haven't called the power company for 10 minutes of my film yet, so we're good. <laughs> but I'll keep everybody looped in. If anything interesting happens, I'll make sure we have the video for uh, our, our – and this isn't a fakey bit. Like, this is real. Yeah, like, he texts me. He texts me out of nowhere, and he's like, oh, I'm, I may have invoked some paranormal activity shit. And I'm like, what? <laughs> And, and then you, you purchase the cameras, and I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah. And then today you sent me a photo of a hedge trimmer, and I'm like, has it gotten that bad? <laughs> no, I'm just a homeowner now. So you're going to get shit about ghosts and my fucking lawn, apparently. That's what you're going to get. <laughs> I loved because it was so random because it's like you, got, you, had the he- you had the camera, you had the sage, you had the hedge trimmer, and then you had VHS copies of three oh. out of the four Silent Night, Deadly Night movies and Iron Eagle. <laughs> I found – hey, listen. I found a local thrift. Listen, guys, if you're in your town, I get it. You're going to have Goodwills and whatever. St. Francis, whatever. Do a quick Google search. See if you got any just random people that decided to open a thrift store. Because <laughs> they're the best. They're the best. This thrift store had 25-cent VHS tapes. And bought them out. <laughs> I bought – well, no. God, no, I didn't. But I did buy a lot. I did buy them out of Silent Night, Deadly Night, including <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night um, uh, weird vibrator uh, toys that climb up in you while you're trying to drive your car home. <laughs> Uh, the Mickey Rooney experience. Yeah, I definitely have the Mickey Rooney, touch me like a real boy Mickey Rooney experience on VHS <laughs> now. But I got, sometimes they come back again. I got The Exorcist. I got a lot on, on, uh, on, uh, oh, I got Starman. 
the, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, I got John Carpenter's Starman, so there were some good ones in there, so I'll keep going back to that place, but that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> I'm here to talk about my paranormal activities and shopping. That's my TikTok channel. <laughs> no, instead we're here to talk about, I think the, this is, I think, the most mainstream movie we've yes. done now. It is. So you picked Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge for Pride Month. Um, yes. yes, I did. Yeah, so it, what, now was this inspired by watching the documentary Scream Queen, or? It was inspired by a lot of things. I'm going to say, yeah, it was inspired by, probably primarily by that, um, by your love for Scream Queen and your and, and what it means to you and what it meant to me when I watched it. Like, I don't think, that's, now definitely it's getting a lot of kind of, uh, front and center being spotlight spotlit a little more than it was for sure. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's getting spotlit as a cult movie at this point. I don't think it's reasons. achieved the cult status is like Halloween three has. No, no. And it should because it, now, now also let's, let's put it into a category with like Rocky horror and pink. Flamingo. It has a deeper meaning. And it should be in that category because not only does it have that deeper meaning, but it's also a wild ass movie. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's also just a wild ass movie. So like, I'm excited to talk about it and hear what you have to say about it. Like this is more of a learning experience for me than it is a chance for me to, you know, make dick jokes. Um, So I'm into that. I'll give it a little more reverence than I gave boom. All right. (laughs) I, I was reading up because uh, I know so much about this movie. I was actually reading up to see if there's anything I didn't know about this. And I ran into a fact I did not know about Nightmare on Elm Street 2. And had this have happened, I wonder what the dynamic of the film would have been like. Um, <clears throat> two things. First of all, Robert England was not going to return as Freddy Krueger. Because New Line Cinema originally refused to give him a pay raise. They ne- they, they Nev Campbelled him, basically. Yeah. Um, so Stuntman was cast as Freddy at the start of the production, but then they suddenly realized, okay, this was a mistake. So, so they said, okay, here, here we'll, we'll pay you. Please come back as Freddy Krueger. Well, of course, Robert England has went on to say that this was his least favorite of the films that he's made. He, he acknowledges the fan base for it, but it is his least favorite film. But the trivia bit that made me go, what the fuck, (laughs) was originally the role of Jesse Walsh, the the male lead in this film, was going to be Michael J. Fox. Oh my god, what? But because of both Back to the Future and Teen Wolf, he couldn't do this movie. So we almost got Michael J. Fox as gay, not gay Jesse Walsh. Yeah, I don't. Mm, I love Michael J. Fox. No, I absolutely adore Michael J. Fox. Um, has done no real wrong in my eyes as far as his his media content has gone. Um, I don't see that. No, <laughs> I can't. That doesn't track for me. That doesn't read. No. Yeah, because this would have been like um, having oh god, what's his face who was originally supposed to play Marty McFly? Oh my god, Eric uh, Eric Stoltz. It would have been like Eric Stoltz god. originally having to play Marty McFly. Just it would not have fit. 
I will never uh, forget in my life a friend friend of ours, uh, somebody I podcast with pretty regularly, Cole Houston, put the mental image of Marty McFly, but uh, Eric Stoltz, but Eric Stoltz is in mask in my oh, head Jesus. in the outfit, but like with the and I was just like I'll never. I can never look at I never can look at the cover of that movie again without thinking about it and it has destroyed me. So just know that. Nice. No, not nice. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Um so this film is is known for having at the time the the person who directed and wrote this movie denied any of the gay undertones and overtones of the film uh where uh, mark Patton for years was like uh bullshit and even robert england is just like it's it's there i mean hello you have jesse going into a gay fetish club at one point in this film give me a break um there is a lot that deals with re- you know repressed sexuality in this film sure and you know with his character trying to come to terms with his sexuality um of of course the way it's resolved is a very 80s way to resolve it (laughs) um but um i mean yeah there's definitely a lot of you know scenes in here where you're you're sitting there and you're like okay if this was unintentional then why was this choice made there's too many for, for it to be unintentional which we all know it isn't but even to claim it's unintentional is like this movie would be a confluence of coincidences. Like, 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 is this like Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness? Because it is obvious to anyone who watches it that, that there's something going on there mm-hmm. regardless. Well, so, even Mark Pat said in the documentary scream queen that, you know, all the, all the film's gay subtext was getting increasingly emphasized because of all the script rewrites that were happening over and over and over. Uh, I I mean, it's been a while since I've seen the documentary. I don't know if he finally got the guy who wrote the screenplay to confess what was going on. But there's a very tense scene when, after all these years later, he finally has his cathartic, you know, um, meet, comes to an end, coming, coming to Jesus moment with the screenplay writer to finally get some closure because for those who don't know, Mark Patton, he was an up-and-coming actor. I mean, he—I mean, there was not only this film, but he had a, a, a very significant role on a hit series called Hotel. Mm-hmm. But this film, because of him himself hiding his homosexuality, and it was during a time in the 80s where you really had to hit it because not only was homosexuality still not that acceptable uh, – but it also equated to AIDS. You know, right. it was, it was, they, they were very synonymous with each other. So you know, here was this young actor who was you know, fresh off of the success of the Broadway show, come back to the five and dime, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean, uh, which you know he acted with like Cher and Kathy Bates, for Christ's sake, in okay. there. Um, you know, and then the, a, a great film ad- adaptation of the play was done as well. And then you know, he gets you know, hotel. And then this movie comes along and it just train wrecks for him, unfortunately. And it's, it's the documentary itself is a perfect companion piece to this film because, and not, and not only that, but is just an important film to me, not only for, for gay history, but for Hollywood history as well, because it shows just not only how ugly 
the other side of the 80s is outside of the nostalgia of the music and the movies and everything. It definitely shows that un- ugly underbelly that the 80s was. And at the same time, it also shows how ugly Hollywood is, mm-hmm. not can be, is. Right. Um, as they just literally chewed them up and spat them out with no care. Um, and that can happen to anybody for any reason whatsoever. And this, then, and that documentary is a great example of showing just how cruel Hollywood can be to somebody. Uh, this film, though, I mean, like I said, it, it's it's becoming championed again because of its gay undertones and everything. But it, it, yeah, it has not yet, at least in my eyes, achieved that same level as Halloween Three has, where it's just transcended an, a you know, cult following to where there's massive mass-produced merchandise being right. made now for Halloween 3. That's not happened for Nightmare on Elm Street 2. When it, whenever, whenever anybody thinks of Elm Street 2, it's either uh, – whenever anyone thinks of Elm Street, it's either going to be part one or part three. That's it. Right. Um, you know, none of the other movies come to play. So it's kind of a shame because I, I think it does deserve to have that same following that Halloween 3 has. And it's also – you know, outside of the undertones, you know, outside of uh, what it means to LGBTQ community, it's a fun movie. Yeah, it is. We, we get some we get some we, we start to experience Freddy instead of uh, Freddy as and it's been a long time. The last time I watched this was for another podcast and it was probably 15, 16 years ago. Um but it's been, you know, it, this movie has, we get Freddy and he starts to be more like Freddy. You know, not, he starts to be more snarky and quippy in this movie. I mean, he doesn't go full on until three, I think. Yeah, because he's still dark in this one. I mean, yeah. he's, you know, he's seducing Jesse in this movie. He, I mean, he is purposely, th- instead of just trying to, you know, kill the teens murder, right. and murder them. He is outright seducing Jesse and using him as a puppet for his evilness in this film. Right. And um, I mean, the thing is, is there is a line from this movie that is considered one of Freddie's signature lines, which is you got the body. I got the brain. Right. I mean, that's a quote that everyone says. But at the same time, a lot of people are like, (laughs) With this film, even though it made its money, had this film bombed, we wouldn't have a New Line Cinema, actually, because New Line Cinema was still struggling at this point. So this was the film that saved (laughs) New Line Cinema. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm excited to watch it. I'm excited to come back with a fresh set of eyes and a little different mentality than I had 15 years ago and a little different uh, sexuality than I had 15 years ago and uh, take 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 a second pass at this and... uh, and see, especially with everything that we've done, you know, I will say this, like, like not to get too uh, filmy, but I do, I have learned to watch things with a little more critical eye. So I'm curious mm-hmm. to watch it that way, you know. And plus, also, it'll be interesting to see sequences um, all these years again, like, um Oh, the, the the shower scene, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the exploding parakeet. <laughs> um, wonder what Bill Clue Gulliger owed in order to be in this film. You know, that's the other bizarre thing about this movie is it's like it's got Clue Gulliger out of all people. It's just like, yeah, we need someone subtle and and low key to play the father. Let's cast Clue Gulliger. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, if I remember right, this movie had some 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 people in it, it had some star it did, power yeah. to it. I mean, it's coming off of the success of the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how they're following it up. So, um, I yeah, I am I am I am ready to roll with this movie. I want to watch it. Like, Alrighty. let's do this thing. <laughs> Alrighty. We'll be right back after we uh, watch for the first time in a long time Nightmare on Elm Street 2 for Reddy's Revenge. Someone is coming back to Elm Street. He is not friendly. He is not patient. Kill for me. And he is not a welcome visitor. No! No! But he has something terribly special for the new kid on the block. It started to happen again. Dad! I'm in trouble. You've had some scary dreams, okay? Help! Daddy can't help you now. There's something inside him. Fight him! You are not afraid of him. He doesn't even exist. Freddy Krueger is back on Elm Street. Watch out for him. He'll be in your neighborhood soon. A Nightmare on Elm Street, Part 2. Beware all my children now. Freddy's Revenge. (laughs) I I got some questions, um, some concerns. (laughs) Some... Oh, man. This was actually the first time I've seen Elm Street 2 in its entirety in a long time. How about you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Are you yeah. It uh, it since since I did it with since I did it with Rick. It's oh, been Oh, wow. Since it's been a then, long time. Yeah. 15 years probably. Um since I since I did it with Rick and the Ernest Borgnine dogs are still there, which is nice. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I watched it uh, with a different, uh, a different lens this time. And yeah, you can't hide the idea of what this film is. Oh, like, hell no. Like you can't it, from the beginning of the movie, like you can't hide it. What it is like, uh, yeah, well, let's do it. Stop firing up, fire it up. So, um, or have we just been recording? That's oh, fine. we've been recording. Oh, oh yeah, sweet. we've been recording. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, good. yeah, good. So, good, Roy. <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah. So we got you know Mark Patton here as Jesse, and you know the I, I I know that the person who wrote the film and the person who directed the film said they had never any intention on it being a gay allegory, but I'm like, that's er- can't be true. I'm like, girl, please. I mean, because there are scenes in this movie that very much resemble the process of coming out, like, you know, with the the fight with the family going on about, you know, what's going on with them, him talking about there's something wrong with me. I don't understand what it is. Um, The scene where Freddie literally seduces him. I just like lovingly it like wipes his brow with the blade and everything and is completely oh, seducing him over to the dark side. And the parts where Freddy comes out of him. 
Uh, like, <laughs> yes. Come on. Really? Is this what we're doing? Um, and, and then, of course, you know, just because why not? He, he goes to a LGBT leather bar because that's what a teenager does when they're burning up inside their part their their bedroom. Uh, they never explain the issue with the heat. Yeah, for for some reason, it was like Freddy Krueger was associated with heat, I guess, because of the boiler, boiler room. room. I yeah, I think that's what it was. Well, and there's a scene like there's a scene in this movie where he has a girlfriend, right? Mm-hmm. Like he has a girlfriend. His beard. He, uh, he, let's, uh, he is having a crisis of faith and he goes to his bully's house, breaks into his bully's house and into yes. his bully's room, who, by the way. And this is me talking, right? This is me saying this. The gayest room I've seen in a long time. <laughs> yes. I, um, I was looking I was looking at the bully's bedroom and I'm like, you, sir, are not straight. A straight teenager in the 80s would not purposely have a half-naked poster of Lamal on his bed wall yeah uh, the wallpaper and this is me like i chose i decided the dusty pink was the color of 2022 (laughs) all right god this movie was nothing but a symphony of bad wallpaper choices i from his room to to uh jesse's room to the bedroom of his girlfriend with that like Tropical oh, the, Tiki Room <laughs> wall. The whole, yeah, the whole movie was a choice when they went with. <laughs> oh well, in the scene, God. that scene where he goes to his bully's house, right? Like, Lacey finally started paying attention to the movie at that point. Mm-hmm. And she was like, and she was like, well, what's going on with him and his boyfriend? And this is, she has no bearing. <laughs> she has no <laughs> understanding of this movie or, or, the fact that the documentary came out and we know what was going on with Mark Patton, like she, she really doesn't be grounding. And I'm like, well, that's not, that's his, I guess, friend. She's like, sure it is. He's naked in the bed. He's shirtless, sweating on the couch <laughs> in, in this guy's room in the middle of the night. Yeah, sh- for sure. They're, they're friends. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I love the fact that on one wall, he has the half naked Lamal poster. And then you go to the other wall and there's the stray cats. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then you go to another wall, and it was, um, I think, Bananarama. And I'm like, yeah, this is yeah. so random. <laughs> These posters are so random. You just went to Spencer's. <laughs> you went, you, you went to Sam Goody and said that poster will work. That poster will work. Well, the rest of the posters were there, and they were like, this room is too fem. Go get a Stray Cats poster from Coconuts <laughs> and put it on the wall, please. <laughs> we need to butch it up some way. Yeah, which, you know, Brian Setzer is absolutely the way you want to butch that up. If you get your jeans tighter and shoes more checkered, that's great. Good choice, guys. <laughs> but yeah, like this. So as somebody who uh, my conflict has always been, and I've always told people, you know, and, and, and not to out myself it's pretty common knowledge like yeah i'm like like whenever people would ask me or would come up in conversation i'd be like yeah i'm like 60 40 straight (laughs) so people would go oh you're straight well there's 40 percent that what do you think that means guys (laughs) like like, yeah that's called by that's called by it's a thing (laughs) 
look it up. Um, <laughs> like, but like watching this movie and understanding why I never understood myself because it, this movie pissed me off because of that. Because, and I wrote you about Freddie Mercury, right? Like yeah. this movie is in line with the, with the one I found out. Eddie, like Elton John, Freddie mm-hmm. Mercury, Liberace, you name it. When somebody was finally like, oh yeah, they're they're gay, and I'm like, of course they are. What do you? I've heard Bicycle. How did I not? <laughs> I've heard We Are the Champions. Like what, these songs, like oh yeah, duh, ugh, ugh. but I never would have put that together because that's other. That's something mm-hmm. different. That's di- that's not okay. It's different. So of course I never understood myself until I was like in my late thirties. Well, how would I? <laughs> I like you know, like I said, dusty pigs, the color of twenty twenty two. Like like th- th- I love musical theater and like <laughs> I went to school for musical theater and uh, <laughs> if you've met me, you've seen my bests. But how would I not? <laughs> Because movies like this exist and they're not honest and that's a product of its time. But yeah. it was, it's very upsetting to get that realization at this point and understand like that's why I'm fucked up. Like <laughs> pop, pop culture fucked me up and didn't let me, um, you know. And so it was upsetting in that point and it's also a ridiculous fucking movie. Yeah, I was about ready to say, you know, with all of the, the gay realizations aside and everything, I mean, I still like the movie. It is not the strongest of the Elm Street franchise. God, no. Um, it might be and, the wildest, honestly. It's the, it's the wildest and the one that, you know, just makes no sense to the canon whatsoever. And, I mean, they don't even acknowledge it anymore after this film. Um, but my issue with the movie is the bizarre choices it made. I, for no reason whatsoever, we have a, a pet bird blow up (laughs) for no reason, no, no reason whatsoever. It's just like, it's these pair of, of love birds. One of them I guess possessed by Freddy goes nuts, kills the other, tries to attack the family, and then just blows up. And first of all, having birds is a choice. When when you are a like like a normal like uh, suburban family, and you're like, but we have birds in the living room. Uh, that's a choice that you're making in a film to say something, and I don't know what the something is. <laughs> what is the something you're trying to say with having birds in your living room? You got to be quiet. The birds are sleeping. Mm-hmm. Like you, you don't have like the the the. You know, you got the 2.5 kids and, and the dog and the picket fence, except you swapped the dog out for two birds. I for guess two birds. I guess it was more acceptable to blow up a bird than a dog, even <laughs> though you could put Ernest Borgnine's face on one later in the movie. And what I love is when the bird did blow up, the symphony of feathers that fell. I was just like, does a lovebird really have that many feathers? It does, Roy. I, I did a study. <laughs> Because it was like somebody went to Michael's and bought like a two-pound bag of bird feathers and just started lightly shaking it up and letting it all fall on the ground they, and well, everything. Michael's was right next to Coconuts, and they had a little <laughs> bit of budget left over. 
But what I love. What I love about it so much, just the randomness of that, is when they're trying to explain why the bird blew up. And the father, God bless, played by Clue Gulliger, who's at his most Clue Gullagery in this yeah. film. Yeah. Then was just like, you know what? Jesse did it. He 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 put a barrel bomb in the bird. And I'm like, what'd you do to the birds? He needs a methadone clinic. Methadone. <laughs> Methadone clinic. What drugs are you on? He he put a, a, a he put a, a barrel bomb in the bird. I'm like, how the fuck do you put a barrel bomb in the bird? I, I could just see you trying to force feed a barrel bomb down the throat of a bird. You can't sleep because you're bad and wrong. You you can't sleep because you have Why can't all Jesse those sleep? Why can't Jesse wake up like a normal person? Because he's gay, dear. It's... Yes. <laughs> That was the funniest thing I think you've written me in a long time. Because <laughs> he's gay, dear. Well, I mean, he has very dramatic awakenings. I mean, he screamed harder than Nancy did. Oh, he wakes up like he's in a nightmare. Twisted Sister video. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and, and then, of course, there's, you know, the scene where he's, okay. The dance, of course. This, yeah. Okay, I, I, I did that so much as a little gay boy in my bedroom uh growing up that that scene sings to me because i'm like yep that was me i i and and when your parent walks in and you get embarrassed i mean i never did the whole uh cork pop you didn't do the dick pop i didn't didn't do do the the dick pop gun i didn't do the dick pop gun no but the thing that's sad is that the song was playing was one of the songs i used to do that to the bedroom great song (laughs) great song Oh my God! No. The soundtrack is full of great songs. Um, what are some other choices this movie makes that makes me go, well, "Oh my God!" There's a choice. So you've got two main families in the movie. Mm-hmm. You've got Jesse's family, who moves into town, moves into Nancy's house. Um, by the way, did you know that Nancy was a gay man? before this movie because her diary says so um you've got you've got nancy in the, the, they move into nancy's house but then you've also got the girlfriend's house which comes from a very are, affluent family also apparently just kind of swingery um mm-hmm. oh we've got 17 kids out of the pool let's go bone mom <laughs> The um, thing that gets me also is this movie set five years after the events of Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, even though the film came out like a year or two later. It's set five years after the events, yet no one in the town remembers Freddy Krueger. Right. I'm like, right. Is, is everyone on the hypnocell? What the hell, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. Yeah, it's I mean, the the gym coach is a choice. Archery is a choice. This movie is just full of choices. God, that gym coach. I mean, going to a gay club is a choice. And, and and the thing is, is I could tell a straight man wrote this because he goes into the gay bar and I'm like, I know this is the 80s, but I have never, ever, even the diviest of gay bars, have I seen a gay bar look this ratchet. Right. <laughs> this isn't the Blue Oyster from Police Academy. <laughs> This is this is like someone found a meatpacking uh, company and turned one of the coolers into a bar. One of my favorite tropes from 
the 70s, the late 70s and the 80s, up until the early 90s, was the idea that teachers lived at the schools that they worked in. Um, Mm -hmm. And in this one, he gets dressed in his daddy gear to go to the gay bar. I think he does it at school. Yeah. Like, like, what? It's implied. Yeah. Like, why would you why would you do like like you don't live at school? Like, or or does he? I mean, I guess like, but that happened a lot in movies in the eighties, where like teachers just it would be like midnight and they'd still be at school for some reason. Uh, why I don't understand why that would happen. It happened in that movie that Joe Bob showed. Uh, the the uh devil uh devil comes down to Utica and plays rock music um movie. Oh, um, what is it? Was it uh, Black, Black Roses? Black Roses. Yeah, it happened in that one with the teacher. Like, there was this assumption that teachers just lived in the schools mm-hmm. and, like, got changed in the schools and, like, you know, <laughs> hung out at the schools. Like, why would you change into your leather? If you're trying to hide that you're a daddy, if you're trying to hide that you're a leather daddy, why would you change your leather daddy gear and oh, then I'm, walk through a locker room? I don't think they hide it. In fact, there was a line that I never caught until recently watching this movie when the bully's just like yeah he gets his rocks off of this he likes young thin guys like you <laughs> and i'm like why did i never catch that until now and at the same time i'm like i call bullshit on there being no homosexual undertones in this movie oh, for it, sure this whole movie is the double are you kidding me I cause that was just blatant and yeah it, it's very obvious that he was getting his rocks off of doing this torturous exercise to kids and that's how he got hit. He, he wasn't kidding the bully, you know, when he said that that's how he gets his kicks, that's definitely how he got his kicks. And in the scene when he finds Jesse at the gay bar and is torturing him by having him do laps, he's in his office and suddenly he grabs two jump ropes. And I'm like, what the fuck are you going to do with those jump ropes? <laughs> You know, before Freddy attacks. I'm just like, what are you going to do with the jump rope, sir? What do you, what do you got planned, sir? I forgot about the Freddy uh, towel attack. Oh, in God. The, um, in the showers, too. The, ooh, I spake your booty. Yeah. I spake your booty. And I'm just like, oh, God. Daddy getting a taste of his own medicine. Yeah, I forgot about that scene. It's just like, come on. Come on, guys. Really? Like, I, I will say this movie had some of the lamest kills of the entire franchise. I will have to admit that. Because, um, yeah, that was just that was ridiculous. And so was the, the animal death and uh, the attack at the party. Oh, the um, attack at the party was ridiculous. When he pops out of the sauna or whatever. Yes. You're all my children now. Yeah. It's, and then that one douchebag who was like trying to talk him down. I'm just like, oh, dude, you're dead. <laughs> just, yeah. Like, it, just the, the whole thing was there weren't a lot of kills either. No, there wasn't. Yeah. In, in fact, in fact, I think they said that the Freddy was, I think this was the movie where it had the least screen time for Freddy Krueger was this one. I think they said. Yeah, we do need to talk about the fact that, um, like you said in um, when you texted me about it, that um, you have to be 
in order to save Mark Patton, oh, God. the love of a good woman to uh, <sighs> to go fight Freddy and his Ernest Borgnine dogs at the boiler room. To, oh, I hate that trope so much, and it was such a common trope to use. I mean, if 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 you didn't punish the gay person in the movie, then you would have them turn straight because the love of a woman could have them turn straight. And in, in this case, she kisses Freddy Krueger and that basically turns Mark Patton straight. Well, I do like the fact that, you know, we, yeah, everything's back to normal. He's sleeping well, everything's great. Uh, and then he's back on the bus to hell again at the end because mm-hmm. guess what you're not so you haven't <laughs> dealt with it it's just like the thing that i was was saying to some of my friends is the the, the scene where she's trying to turn him i have expected leslie jordan to come out of nowhere <laughs> and be like oh i've been afflicted with the disease called the homosexuality i uh, need to be cured by your soft lips he's got a baton yes <laughs> yes i was totally expecting that i'm just like come on i mean this is ridiculous it is a, it is ridiculous <laughs> it is ridiculous that it took so long to acknowledge that that's what this movie was about like mm-hmm. that's the ridiculous part it's like a really like Going back and watching it, I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, that's the reason to watch this movie. Okay, I'm with it now. I got you. Yeah, yeah you don't watch this movie because it's a damn good movie. Because I will admit, it's not a damn good movie. It's interesting to go back to see how they thought that they were making one film and then supposedly accidentally made an allegory for coming out. And... The, the whole coming out process and everything and then ruined it with the love's true kiss conquers all aspect. Yeah, I do. Again, though, like I think that the implication there at the end was it didn't, you know, <laughs> like I think that that's, I think that was a little bit subversive at the end. And I, I did enjoy that part where it was like, yeah, you know, love conquers all and you're, 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 you're back to quote unquote normal now because I defeated Freddy and we are okay and everything's going to be fine. Everybody's on the bus and they're happy and everything's good. And then it's like, ah, bitch, I'm Freddy. And then (laughs) drives the bus into hell. Like, because you haven't dealt with it yet. Like I I feel like that felt a little good, but like the rest of it was like gross. You're still a homo. That's right. (laughs) Uh, so, so would you recommend Elm Street 2? Because I know because I, I know that there's still a lot of people like like when people found out I was rewatching it, they're like, uh, why? Yeah. <laughs> For the reasons that we talked about in the sense that if you can watch it through a different lens. Then, yes, I do. It's worth the time to do that, to just watch it and put those pieces together and be like, oh, OK, yeah. There it is. I see it now. It's been 15 years or 20 years or 25 years, but now now it makes sense. Like, yes, in that respect, I am really glad I watched it. Mm-hmm. Really glad. Um, it, if you want a serviceable slasher movie, do not watch this. <laughs> um, <laughs> do not. It does have dogs with the faces of Ernest Fortnite. So <laughs> that's worth watching for sure. Um, 
you those are the reasons that i would say to watch it but if if those things do not appeal to you um then don't 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 waste your time yeah yeah you can you can skip over this one you can go right from number one to number three and you'll be fine because elements of elm street 2 are never brought up ever again in the entire franchise disavowed totally disavowed all right so as we mentioned on our last episode on the boom episode uh that july is our fourth anniversary and yeah and we're doing you know something special for the month of july we're both going to be uh we're doing three films instead of two we we both decided on samurai cop and i chose the all-star cast skate town usa featuring the acting debut of, of patrick swayze and now it's time for you, Mr. Farmer, to reveal your movie choice. So I, I went through a lot of choices. Um, and I really, I, and this is, I, I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound like me doing a bit, but it's not. Like, I really wanted to find something that captured the meaning of what we do um, and why we do it, which is the, there are cult movies that everybody knows and everybody loves. And we're doing one of those movies in July. Mm-hmm unabashedly we're, we don't have any shame this is a movie that we need to do we're doing it for us not you get over it we're going to do samurai <laughs> cop <laughs> um but the there is a cult movie that i saw um kind of back in the day it was one of the first cult movies that i ever saw that qualifies as a cult movie um not a lot of people have seen it it is we're going back to tubi Okay. To watch it, it is available, um, and it stars a. So we're going. Let, let's go. Let's go. We're going to go back to '89. Okay. Um, it stars a pre-crow. Brandon Lee. Okay. Ernest Borgnine. Graham okay. Clark. Have you ever seen Laser Mission? I have never seen Laser Mission, but I know of Laser Mission, but I've never seen it. It is insane. <laughs> it is a crazy movie. It do, it's it it is up there with my all-time favorite cult movies. Um I think you are going to absolutely love it. And um again, it's it's pre it's pre Brandon Lee becoming Brandon Lee. Like he is So this young. is pre so so this is pre-showdown in Little Tokyo. Pre-showdown in Little Tokyo, pre like if you look at Brandon Lee's body of work, right? This is very early. I mean, '89. He couldn't have been very old in '89. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is not good, but it is it is very fun. It is pre-Rapid Fire. It is pre-Showed uh, Out a Little Tokyo. It is well pre of Crow. <laughs> it is um, it is just fun. Like, nice. it is a bad movie, but it is a fun movie. Awesome. Yeah, I've, this one I've never I've never gotten around to watching. So I'm, I'm glad that we're going to I'm, I'm glad I'm going to show it to you. And it's it's nostalgic because Lee is in it. You know, and he is even in the worst films, even in the, you know, the crappiest of settings, Brandon Lee is infinitely watchable. Like you can watch him peel a peel an onion and, be, and, and it'll be enjoyable. Um, 
so in that respect, it's like you really enjoy watching it, but it is a bad movie. <laughs> but I was at a convention once and I was talking about cult movies and somebody was like, have you seen Laser Mission? And I was like, no. And they had a copy, like a bad DVD copy of it, and I bought it. And I was just like, holy shit, what am I watching? This is amazing. <laughs> it's a Cold War movie. So, but it's an 89. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, you got your, like, early 80s, your War Games, your Red Dawns, those type of movies, your allegorical mm-hmm. movies, like Escape from New York. And then this one comes, like, at the end, like, but we can do it too. <laughs> <laughs> The the set pieces are wild. You'll, you're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. That's all. Awesome. I'm gonna say. I think you're gonna love it. And this Can't is what wait. I wanted to bring to you and say. This is my Liquid Sky. Okay. <laughs> this is one I've been holding on to since we started the show. Where Liquid Sky is what started it, and I'm like, I've never seen it. You're like, holy shit, you gotta watch this movie and it's shrimps, and started us on a path to just. D- 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 a path to destruction and watching boom which should be its own story arc that's season one of the show right there Liquid Sky to boom reset now we just do the rest um, but this is my this is my version of that like if I was going to say if somebody was like I've seen a bunch of cult movies but I haven't seen you know some deep cuts what would you suggest I would start with this so okay. I'm glad you haven't seen it. I'm very glad you haven't seen it. Sweet. And then in August, I'm going to take your soul. <laughs> God, I'm nervous. You should be. You should be. <laughs> All right, gang. I've given you clues. I've said that the principle is problematic. Yeah. At the time it came out, no one could stop talking about what we're going to watch. No oh, one. I like know. It was all anybody talked about for months. So it's not lean on me then. No, 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 <laughs> no. You are, you are on the other side of the state. <laughs> okay. Um, and I know it's not high school. Uh, I, I, uh, it wouldn't be uh, rock and roll high school because no. I love that movie too much. So I will tell you this. This is the last clue I'm going to give you. This okay. is the third of the clues. It is not a movie. Oh, say. Jesus. Oh, for fuck's sake. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. It is self-contained. Okay. So it's not, we're not going to be picking bits and pieces out of like a TV series, but it is not a movie. On the on the on the scale of Madam's Place to Cop Rock, where is it? Oh, it's so much worse. <laughs> um, oh God. <laughs> oh, it's so much worse. Um, riding the bus with my sister meets for for the level of problematic. Riding the bus with my sister. Maybe even. Um, yeah, that, that's where I'm going to say problematic on the scale of problematic. It's slightly above that. Slightly Meets above Terror of, <laughs> Slightly above Terror of Tiny Town. Oh, no, no. That would be a good. Yeah, it's it's as it's as problematic as Terror of Tiny Town, but also. Oh, oh God. Oh, Lordy. And I'm gonna need a silk. And you will be, you'll instantly know what I'm talking about, and you will be so furious. You are going to be so furious with me. I'm. It's going to be wonderful. <laughs> so in other words, August just called Andy gets revenge. But, but the, yeah, yes, I do. But the other thing is, I really want to watch all of this again, okay. like because it's the most batshit thing we might ever do. And I mean that. And we just watched Boom. 
<laughs> is it square pegs? It's not square pegs. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not. All right, that's all I'm going to give you. That's it. All right. That's all you get. All right, gang. Well, tune in next month for our anniversary. We've got not one, not two, but three movies. Um, if you've never seen Samurai Cop, do yourself a favor. Go Shit. watch Samurai Shit. Cop. It is one of the best accidental comedies ever made. Um, God, I, 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 any excuse to watch it again, I'm happy. Yeah, I'm surprised I don't watch it once a week just because. Like, for real. <laughs> Like it's one of those movies where you're just like you could watch it all the time. So. Yeah, it's just it's Chef's Kiss. And there's a there's a sequel. Yes, I've never seen the sequel. I haven't yes. either, so we should probably maybe the next anniversary. <laughs> do Samurai Cop. Yeah, too. maybe our fifth anniversary we'll do the second Samurai Cop sequel just to <laughs> just to bookend it. Got it. <laughs> all right, gang. We will see you next month, and thanks for listening. Talk to you later.